0: So Molo Unjan Ashe, how's it? I am Samantha Herbst.
1: And I'm Charlene Armstrong. And as always, we're joined by the very lovely Samantha Steele,
0: renowned parenting journalist and rock star mom. Sam is here to take your hand, whoever you may be, and guide you in this week's discussion. Sam, hello. Welcome. What are we talking about this week? We're following on from last week's
2: discussion, where we dove a bit in depth into live-in nannies and looked at the pros and cons for the employers and employees alike. So this week, after chatting to some great nannies last week and some great parents, we're going a little bit more into the why, how, what of live-in nannies. What's the history behind it? How did it start? And obviously, in South African context, this was not a, a happy fairy tale. This is quite a complicated history.
0: Yeah, it's oh, no. <laughs> it's no joke. <laughs> it's kind of tricky to go there, but we're going there, guys. So for the for the listeners who aren't aware, Sam, or maybe for parents who haven't given the topic much thought, what are the origins of Live in Nannies in South Africa?
2: In South Africa, we've got a history of a racially led legislation that um has had horrible, horrible consequences. The really big one was the Group Areas Act of nineteen fifty. So this piece of law uh, essentially created what the, the is still in South Africa, migrant labor force, where urban labor is like, well, I mean, back then it was minors, but now we're looking at domestic workers, gardeners, nannies, have to travel quite extensively away from their homes and their families into the cities to earn money. And we're still living with the consequences of this really, I mean, it's is a terribly unethical and a very cruel law today. I wish we could go more into the actual nitty-gritty of the history, but we don't have time to do it justice. But what we can work towards as employers, certainly on a one-to-one basis at least, is towards creating a fairer working environment in one that is really set up to be exploitative.
1: Yeah, look, now it's obvious that here we are, three privileged white women who cannot even begin to understand what that life must be like or what it must have been like coming in or living in those times and we're hosting this discussion when the concept for this podcast was pitched we wanted to give voice to nannies so not just the nannies but also the moms and the dads and the employers to really have a balanced discussion and understanding of what the dynamic is but sam am i understanding it correctly that the nannies were often
2: reluctant to come forward the challenge is definitely the power dynamic i mean as a white woman myself I really represent the employers when I'm approaching nannies for interviews. I've managed to, let let me put it this way, my access to the mom circles and the mom WhatsApp groups was like a no brainer, very, very easy. But getting access to nannies in a way where they don't feel like I'm taking advantage of them or it's not through their employer. Or you're going to tell my boss
1: what I said. If I tell you the truth, then I'm going to get into trouble and lose my job. Mm.
2: Yes, exactly. So I mean, it's just it just is it is just, it just is a very complicated thing. But um, when I was doing my interviews, I really it was something very important to me that that the nannies' voices weren't left out. We didn't just have the experts and and the parents. You know, there's, there's, that's not the whole story. And through hard work and through making some meeting some incredible women, I've managed to speak to a wide variety of nannies. But um, with the technological challenges and with the power dynamic, I feel like there's so much more we could do.
0: I think the best that we can do in this situation, as Charlie mentioned, the three white privileged women, is just to acknowledge that there is a bit of a, a, a power dynamic here, as you've mentioned, Sam. And we are in a, at an advantage, but we are still doing our best to give nannies as women, as working women in their own right, a platform. And so if there are any nannies listening, we are respectful and will... Take your voice into account, whether you wanted to remain anonymous or not. We want to hear from you guys. We we want to know what your experiences are and what your expertise is. We we want you to weigh in because we think that now, as moms and as co-hosts uh, of this podcast, it will help other nannies sort of uh, live up to to what the rest of the world is doing with regard to the nanny employer dynamic. We we want that upskilling to happen. And we yeah. we want this power dynamic to be to be shifted into a more equal weight. As
2: nannies as well, um, I mean, you're you're working alone in an employer's house. You don't have a network of nannies necessarily that you can touch base with for is your is your employer doing this? Is your employer doing that? And there's so much more topics we want to discuss with this particular uh, dynamic. So if you have anything you want to say, like Sam said, please reach out. We would love to hear your experience and help help uh, nannies connect with each other as well.
0: So Sam, last week we heard from two nannies who offered their experiences ad live in nannies and we have another. And speaking of that history or the origins of the nanny employer dynamic, we have an anonymous nanny who you spoke to who has been working for decades and worked during apartheid. So her experience sort of traverses that change of laws and yeah i've left your voice into this so that listeners can hear how this nanny experienced a sort of a shift in a power shift just over the years when apartheid laws kind of came down and we became a free country essentially so like i say we're not going to be going into the history of it but there is that uh, shift in power and it's important to bring anonymous's voice into this
2: is this your first live-in situation or like how, or have you lived in with other families before?
3: No, I lived in the other families
2: before. Okay. So how long have you been doing live-in work? Yo, sure. <laughs> uh, about 30 years, I think. Wow. Yo, sure. that's a long time. Yeah. So starting when? The 80s? 90s? Yes, 80s. Wow. Yeah. so during, during apartheid actually is when you started? Yes, yes, yes. Have you found that it's changed since then? Yes, it has, a lot. In what ways has the work changed?
3: I think now we're free, we're not scared anymore. Like when you work and your boss is angry at you and scream at you, now it's better, it's so much better because now we sit down and talk.
2: And if you've got a problem, do you feel like you can say, listen, I don't like this thing?
3: Yes, yes, I can do that.
2: Okay, that's good. With, uh, with other families as well or, or just with Lauren?
3: No, with the other families as well.
2: Okay. So, um, I mean, the 30 years of experience in an industry, that's a lot. That's a lot of experience working with kids and with families.
3: Yes, it is a lot.
2: What do you find? Do you, do you like the live-in position or would you prefer coming uh, back and forth from home?
3: No, I think because I don't live in Jobek, I find it I like living in. Okay. So that because if you live out you have to pay rent and you have to have money for transport. So where where is your home? In Clarkstop.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Are you do you have children?
3: Yes, I do. How old are your kids? My daughter is thirty thirty-five. Wow. She's older than me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you like about living in? I like because then I can save that money that I was going to use for transport and I've got my, my privacy, you know. What do you find? Do
2: you find anything difficult about it? Do you find any challenges from from the living position?
3: Not when you, don't, you, you have your own room. No, I don't find difficulties. It's difficult when you live in the house with the employers.
2: In what way? Because then you share a kitchen or, or what's challenging about that? Yeah, but then
3: you, you when it's your off day and you don't wake, go anywhere, you don't have off day because then when you come to make uh, breakfast, you find that it's dirty, it's mess, there's mess everywhere, then you just have to clean. So it's it's your off day, but then you have to, to tidy up. So you
2: never get a break? You're just tired working all the time? No,
3: yes, because you live in the house with them. And crazy. I find that if you live in the house, then there's no childhood time, you know, because <laughs> you're still working, even if it's 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. So it
2: makes it a very long day as well?
3: Yes, yes. Sure. Yes.
2: If you had to speak to a new nanny, so so say so now a nanny's moving from a normal, uh, like living at home, coming to work, and now she's moving to a live-in position. What advice would you give her? What would you say, listen, if you're, moving, if you're living in the, with a family, you must know these things. What what advice would you give her?
3: No, I just have to tell them that, you know, if you are unhappy, you need to talk to them. I mean, they need to know that you you are unhappy about something. Don't just keep it to yourself and then you... You angry the whole day, and you you have a long face. You don't smile with the kids. You know, like things like that. It's better if you you speak about what is bothering you, so you can be free and be nice to the kids also.
0: So the laws were problematic to begin with. It's it it is an embarrassing, it is a shameful history, but Sam, is the law still weighted in favour? Of the employers at the expense of the domestic labour. Talking about laws in particular now. Thankfully,
2: the legislation has shifted, and now more in favour of employees. But I actually spoke to a labour lawyer, Paul Cooley, who works for a legal a legal consultancy called Workplace Strategies, to kind of get an idea about what the law actually is. Like, what is the letter of the law about this? Implied by that as well, what our moral boundaries
4: are. We have particular laws that apply to, to nannies or, or to domestic workers generally uh, in this country, and, and that's found in something called Sectorial Determination Number 7. So that's a, that's a document issued by the Department of Employment and Labor, and in some respects it, it takes the, uh, the place of the, of the normal legislation that would apply to, to every worker. So one of the things that we see, for example, in that sectorial determination is that it includes minimum wage rates. It has particular uh, restrictions in terms of working hours and that type of thing. But uh, I think if you if you read that document, you, you, it won't necessarily jump out to you that there are special laws that apply to live-in nannies. Certainly with a live-in nannies, things like uh, working hours can be can become a little bit blurred and, and there's absolutely requirements on, on private employers to stick to the legislated working hours. But the two things that I've noticed that apply particularly to living nannies, one relates to the fact that if you're going to charge your living nanny for her, his or her right to stay on the property, then you can't, you can't deduct more than 10% of their salary. So in other words, there's restrictions there about how much you can take because they're living on your property. The other thing I've noticed is that if an employer or or either side wants to end the employment relationship, then the period of time um, they need to give each other the the notice depends on on how long that employment relationship has, has gone on for but they they don't necessarily apply to live-in nannies. So if a a nanny uh, is not live-in, for example, then she might be entitled to to two weeks' notice of termination. If she is a live-in nanny, then she has an entitlement to uh, at least four weeks' notice of termination.
2: Okay. And working hours, you mentioned, um, like, is there a set... Like, working hours is, I think, a challenging one with this relationship. What does the law say about that?
4: Yeah, and, and, and definitely. So... For, for nannies, the, the working hours can be up to 45 hours or ordinary hours per week. After that, they can be asked whether they would like to work over time and they must agree to work overtime. And, and that that maximum is 15 hours a week, which I guess if you add up both of those things and it comes to, to 60 hours a week, it's, it's a considerable amount of, of time that you would be asking your nanny to work. In addition to that, we have things like minimum rest breaks, for example. So uh, a nanny can't be asked to work seven days a week. She she must have a minimum of 36 hours rest every week, which probably means sort of at, at most uh, around six, six and a half days or probably six days per week. And then we also see things like standby allowances. So uh, a nanny might be paid the actual hours that she works, but if she's on standby for for whatever reason then she has a, a, another allowance or, or entitlement as a result of that
0: What about lunch breaks uh, do, you, do you include those hours because we've got we've got tea tea time we've got you know these women have to eat and it's a As you know, as a mom, it's a long day with a little person.
1: (laughs) And when the kid demands, I mean, you can't be like, okay, 10 o'clock is your tea break, take it now. It's hard if the kid, like you have, it has to be flexible, but it's hard work and you get tired.
2: (laughs) No, for sure. And I mean, like one of the responsibilities is to give lunch breaks. You can negotiate. So an hour is what the law says. You need need to give an hour lunch break, which I know can be really hard when you're also working a full day um, as a parent to come back for an hour. When your lunch break is probably also just an hour.
0: And is it possible for some some parents though? What if you're at an office job? I don't actually
2: know how everyone works it. I know with me, uh, I'm quite fortunate in that I work from home at the moment with the pandemic. So I'm able to be quite uh, flexible and available for giving lunch breaks. And my child has long naps. In the afternoon now, which is a nice change from when she was a newborn, but I don't know how you do it if you're in an office all day. I mean, I I think it's partly just communicating and negotiating, so I mean you can negotiate a 30-minute lunch break, which could be when the kid is napping, that they end earlier that day, but it is something that you need to think about and be cognizant of. You shouldn't just be like, oh well, she'll work it out, like I think you need to be part of that discussion. And remember, tea breaks are included in working hours, Two tea breaks a day. There's like a certain uh, hourly uh, pace to the day that the, that the law gives. So if you see a nanny having a quiet cup of tea and a breather, that's completely legally allowed and really I think
4: you should, should give her be. that.
0: Give, give her exactly. those 10 minutes
2: to have some, have some tea.
0: You can't come out exactly. there fist shaking and be like, what are oh, yeah. you doing? I don't get to sit <laughs> so I don't pay you to sit around and do
1: nothing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like it. it's well, disgusting. Things, yeah, yeah. Listen, did Paul
2: mention any challenges that he often deals with? So, like I mentioned earlier, this is such an isolated working relationship, right? I mean, like we don't have like a mom community where we check what every what everyone's doing, or a nanny community where everyone sees what the norm is. It's not like an office where there's 50 people and you get a feeling of what's normal and what's not and what people are doing so there's a lot of uncertainty both from the moms and dads who are employers and for most moms and dads this is their first time employing someone outside of their workplace I mean you go into your office clock your time and come back home and you're an employer at home and it's challenging for, for a lot of people to make that shift
0: so let's hear from Paul what what he has to say on the matter what challenges he typically faces um, with regard to his clients
4: I, I guess from the employer side, these are often people who aren't used to employing people. They probably don't have too much track record. There's a there's a lack of knowledge and understanding about what the what the obligations and and entitlements are. And I guess on the other side, from the the, the nanny side, they're also often very uncertain about what their rights uh, and entitlements are. And, and I think to be honest. As a, as a community or a society or or even government, we could be doing a lot more to make sure that the rules and expectations and obligations are far clearer than they, than they are. This morning, I did a little bit of prep for our discussion, Sam, and I was trying to find the standby allowance and it it took two of us about 45 minutes to find it. And I guess, you know, if we're in the profession and we're struggling to find out those things, then, you know, the private employers, the mum and dad, it's tough for them to to understand what their obligations are.
0: So what can parents be doing to stay on the right side of the law? You can hear... Paul says it's not that easy, you know, so I would assume we've spoken to a lot of experts, we spoke to UIF, the ISWI and the like, and there are labor lawyers like Paul who we can hit up, but, I mean, did Paul mention any, I'm wondering, did he mention any specific things that we need to do to ensure that with regard to breaks and remuneration and stuff, we we are treating them, uh, our nannies, fairly?
1: And also, what can a, the nannies do? I mean, if they feel exploited, where do they go? What do they do? What What is the protocol?
2: Well, I suppose from the parent side, it's really just doing your, your due diligence and accessing the resources available and also using your own moral compass about what's fair and unfair in a, in a working environment and what you would expect for yourself to be treated. With regards to nannies, I mean, I'm afraid it's much like um, an office employment where you've got legal channels open to you and government offices you could speak to if you... If you are struggling and also the option to speak directly to your employer and flag your concerns before they escalate to the point where you need legal intervention. But I did actually ask Paul about that as well, and he sums it up pretty nicely.
4: Look, I, I guess they need to do their research. This is, this is obviously a very important relationship in their, in their life. I mean, if you pause and reflect that they're hiring someone to come in and work in their home, to look after their, their children through some development years. Um, they have obligations to look after their personal property and all of those things. I mean, it's a, it's an important relationship for a family if they're going to do that. So look, I, I think most of the, the private employers, if I can call them that, we see they want to do the right thing. They want to understand what their obligations are. Often they want to do more than, than what's required. I mean, if you reflect on what the the minimum wage rates are for nannies, it's a little bit more than two and a half thousand rand per month. And obviously, you know, if employers are going to pay that sort of sums, it becomes tough for people to to live on that. So I I think do your research if you need to go out and find somebody who who knows what the requirements are, because it's certainly a, a very crucial relationship to the workings of a lot of South African family homes. The Department of Employment and Labor is tasked with making sure that employers follow the laws, including private employers. So they've always got that opportunity, perhaps either to get some advice from the Department of Labor or have the Department of Labor become a bit more proactive or, or, and even speak to the, the private employer. Of course, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the family, they, they wouldn't be overjoyed if a Department of Labor official arrived at the door. So I think there's some practical issues there as well. What I often do is encourage nannies to, if they feel that they're not up to having those direct conversations with, with their employer, to at least find a, a friend or somebody that they can take with them for, for support. Certainly, I, I think the, the, the best way to resolve an issue for a nanny is if, if she's able to discuss it openly and transparently in, in, a, in, in a safe environment with their employer. Uh, and, and if that takes a, a friend or a colleague for support, then I see no problem with that. These nannies are playing an integral role in, in, in somebody's family. And also, I, I think perhaps the one thing I might add is, once you understand the, the rights and entitlements and obligations, put those down in paper. Um, One of the things that we see is often the conflict that arises in any workplace is because of misunderstandings. So take the time to make sure that you've documented for the nanny and for your own self what your rights and obligations and make sure you do it in a way that the nanny can understand.
0: So we've been chatting a lot about, you know, the employer-employee relationship, And in relation to us as employees, you know, how would you want to be treated? Oh, you are allowed a lunch or a cigarette break or there's been a lot of comparison. But as Paul mentions, nannies are playing an integral role in your family life. It is personal. We can't ignore this. At the end of the day, it's not a commercial relationship. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the exact
1: same thing because if you work a corporate job and you feel uh, having been in that position you feel emotional about something or something bugs you or whatever you're just like you know what this is a professional working environment emotions are not yet just stick to your work do your work and and go and if there's really if you really are being ostracized or victimized then you have an HR department that you can report to or uh, or say something to in this relationship. Firstly, there isn't an HR department, and secondly, it is an emotional relationship because you're in each other's homes. You 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 love these children; the children love you. It's it is an emotional relationship. It's like uh, you cannot have a uh, a commercial relationship with a family member. You can't. This person is part of your family, but you're paying them, <laughs> and they 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 work for you. It's it's weird. It's very difficult.
2: It's definitely one of the more complicated relationships in South Africa, I would say. And that's what's so interesting to talk about, because it's like this, like no one's talking about it. You know, that that, mm. that there's this really personal relationship that you've got with someone. I mean, like, I feel like a bigger nanny has got such emotional labor attached to it. I mean, if you come to the house in a bad mood, you know, people notice immediately. If I go into my office in a bad mood... I don't think anyone really cares unless it affects them directly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And plus, it shouldn't be. At your place of work, listen, we're not yet to do this little emotional dance. However, when my nanny shows up and she's having a bad day or something personally has happened to her, she's a person. In my house, she's a person. I care for her. She cares for my children. My children cares for her. So you cannot be that. Look, I'm your boss, and this is a strictly working relationship, so you leave that stuff outside the door. This is a human being that you you have to you have to care for other people. Just have respect and care. Just show some empathy and and be kind to one another. It's what you would expect if you were walking through that door, and and you are having a tough time or you're going through a difficult time, to have some support from those the people that you you
2: live with. He yes, "I mean, and as I wrote about recently, being a parent is relentless, right? And so is being a nanny. I mean, it's this little human. You know, they are relentless. They, Dang. they, um, they want to be entertained. I mean, depending on their age, but I know, I mean, babies, babies are almost easier in some ways, but toddlers. Toddlers, man,
1: they always they, want something. On right. <laughs> some level, they always want something. <laughs> they want a piece of you.
2: <laughs> no, they want to play. They want to talk. They want to engage." I mean I mean having a a bad day is really hard with a toddler because they don't really see they don't really give a space for bad day. No, they don't care.
0: So I'd like to wrap up going back to the beginning of the episode where we chatted with the anonymous caller. That caller that that traversed 30 years of nannying from the 80s, from apartheid South Africa to present day. There are still issues. The law is is doing its part to, to be fair to both employers and employees in this uh, complicated relationship. But I think my concern that I keep banging on about is there is a generational trauma and I think especially the older generation of nannies are going to not be very comfortable speaking up if they feel unhappy or Speaking up if they're working, you know, overtime and, and not being paid yeah, fairly, not sure. being compensated fairly. And so my call for employees and employers, you know, and, and speaking from my own personal experience is let's bear that in mind. I, I was chatting just with my nanny this week and I had said something to her, a directive. She was actually putting Noah to sleep, my baby, and I didn't realize it. And she just did what I had asked her to do. And when I clicked and I I realized, oh, it was actually his nap time, I said to her, listen, you know best what's happening in this house and with my baby. You need to tell me actually no, and this is my reason, and I promise I will not take it personally. So that is my call for my peers, other moms. We are all just trying to do our best here with regard to this. But I think put yourself in your nanny's shoes and – Make sure she knows that you see her as an equal and you appreciate her opinion and her expertise in this regard.
2: Uh, Sam, just to to chip in, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I'll often have uh, things I need done in the house and I'll ask Precious if she can do X, Y, Z, but I don't know what's happening there. You know, she needs to communicate with me as well, but I need to open up that space for her to do that. And I think that's, that's the difference with our generation and our parents' generation is that if I look at even my mom, who I think is a really wonderful human, like her expectations are different to mine. She was employing people during apartheid with, you know, whether or not she wanted to, the the, the fact is that was when she, she grew up as well. And the, the law has changed. People's expectations don't always change with it. So just keeping that communication open is really, really important and making sure that, well, making sure that you communicate. I mean, from both sides, like Sam said, like like, like you you at least gave you in any of the space there, right? Like you said to her, please tell me, like, I don't want to, I mean, it's so frustrating. I mean, I think we've all been there when you're trying to like, put the child down or, or give the little one lunch and then uh, someone's like, can you do this? And it's like, oh, I can't do that right now. I've got other things that are more important right now. So just giving that space to communicate is so, so important.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think my personal opinion is that it is our jobs as if you are a white employee. It is your job If your employer, if your employee comes into your home, we have to do the work in proving to these individuals. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove and you have to instill trust in them because they're coming in. Yes, you're a very nice person and I feel like my salary is fair and I can see that my work hours are fair. But for the first while, when you first start working together, you are going to have to prove to this individual that you are wanting this to be an equal relationship. You are an expert in this. This is your job and this is your area of expertise. And I'm employing you in this position because this is your area of expertise. This is what you're qualified for. I'm not qualified for that. I know how I would like things done around here and we can talk about that. But I have to prove to you that I'm not here to suppress you and just you have the space to talk to me if something bothers you, and it, I believe that it's also our responsibility to educate these women on what their rights are in the in the workforce. If you work in a corporate company, the labor act is pasted up, pasted up on the wall, you have access to company documents, rules of conduct, procedures and protocols you have all of those things so uh, at the risk of making it sound like too much of a commercial relationship there's nothing wrong with educating these women to say in this household this is how we work. These are your rights. This is what you have the right to do when you put your foot through the, feet through those doors and when you live on this property. And I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to do that. We're not always going to get along. So... This is what I'm telling you. I'm giving you the space to have that communication with me. And I think that the responsibility will always remain with the employer. It is our responsibility because there's history here. And that's the only way we're going to change this.
0: Just to clarify as well, the responsibility will remain with the employer. Charlene, you mentioned white employers and that from from our perspective, that's important to bear in mind. Yes. But there are black employers employing black employees. So while the issue and and the origins of nannies was a black white issue in apartheid i think and we're opening a can of worms here so we're going to move on after you comment yeah sam. we're moving on to a classist issue here and yes, um, yes. levels of privilege so d- d- what you said is absolutely 100 percent valid but it applies to all employers and not just white employers sam you wanted to say something
2: well what i wanted to say is that i think that there are though there are some people who are intentionally malicious and exploitative, I mean, we have to say that those kind of people are out there, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are doing wrong from ignorance. Um, mm, mm. And I think that this, us having this discussion, us talking to the lawyers, and find, I mean, who, who goes to a labor lawyer to find out how to employ your nanny? Like, no one does that.
1: But we must tell so, our friends that. We must tell our friends that who have nannies. We must educate them. If we know, then we must share that information because that's the only way we're going to change this.
2: And our moms as well, to go back to what I said earlier. I mean, I think a lot of people don't like, like you might have your nanny working a 55 hour work week and only realize after listening to this episode, oh shoot, the law says 45 hours I've been underpaying. Mm. You know, like I, th- I think that just knowing what, what the law says and what, other, and what other people are doing, that sense of like, what what is my community doing? Gives you a feeling about how you can self-correct, nice. right? So let's give people that trust.
0: Nice. Sam, we'll be back next week. With another discussion. What are we gonna be talking about?
2: Well, this is another a layer to this interesting nanny parent relationship. I mean, as a mom, right, have you when you leave your, your baby and your child and the you know the your your heart with, with your nanny all day while you're at work, do you ever get scared that your baby is going to like prefer and love your nanny more than
3: you?
1: <laughs> That's, That's I'm the laughing reality, yeah. because not not because it's funny, but yeah, I guess for me, I, I, I did, I, I was envious on, the, um, of that relationship, but not for the reasons that for me, it was more a case of I'll miss, I'll be missing milestones and this other person will be present. So when I left Josh with my mother-in-law to look after him to begin with, I had the same feeling. And then when my, my nanny took over, I was like, Oh, she's going to get all the nice fun parts. And I'm, I'm kind of jealous that I won't be there. So, but, and my nanny was so cute that on the odd occasion that it did happen, she'd send me a video at work. Hey mommy, I'm okay. Look what I'm doing. So that was the sweetest. I would just sit at work and cry when that happened. I was just so grateful, you know, I
0: feel insecure. That's the word. It's, it's not that I'm scared necessarily that, because Noah, I do have the privilege of working from home. Let me say that. Noah does not take a bottle. And so every three, four hours, it's spreading as he gets older. But every few hours, I still get to go and breastfeed him and touch base with him. And he still opens up his little arms to me and wants mommy, which is very reassuring. But I could imagine that fear when you are away for the whole day. And even though I'm at home, I have let left control of my household over to this woman, another woman. Angel, as she may be, I am so insecure that she knows what Noah has had for lunch. She knows if he's been grumpy, how many times he's pooed in a day. And those things for a mom are so important. And they're, even the poo is hard to let go of, guys. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> And I think I mean
2: like I personally
0: had an incident
2: where um, so I mean my my child and my nanny have attached really really well, and we had a time when Maya was learning how to talk, and she was learning mama and daddy, and she called me mama and she called Precious mama, and I must say my heart broke a little bit at coming home, and having her call Precious mama. So we've we've now called uh, it, it's it's heartbreaking. I mean it's it, it's so great though right because it shows that my i was and- just
1: gonna say as an external person i'm like wow she obviously associates the love that she feels from you with the same love she's getting from precious and and how reassuring that she's in that safe space
2: to feel that loved. no completely and, and that's where your own like that's where you've got to be aware yourself of of like you actually want that right you want your kids to love yeah. your neck you can't, can't help how, how you head. feel. You can't you be given him. what
1: you wish for because you can't help how you feel when it happens.
2: <laughs> well, exactly. And I mean, like, I mean, imagine now being the nanny, right? So like you work damn hard all day. You look after this little human that's not your little human and you love them and you make sure they eat and you clean their bums. And then they finally like show this love for you, which is such a like, it's it's like that, that's what you've sown, right? You've sown all that in that they've got this love for you. And then your employer gets jealous of you and angry with you and upset with you and resentful of you that that you've done your job really well. Mm. Oh, it's tough.
0: It's a tough time I can't wait for this one. I have a lot mm. to say. I'm looking forward to that discussion. We're going to offer uh, some some tips and advice from real moms and real nannies next week. We're looking forward to that, Sam. Listeners, if you have any comments or queries on our episode or a story of your own... um. When it comes to having a live-in nanny and navigating that relationship, please feel free to touch base with us at info at And
1: if you liked this episode and you found it useful for yourself or other moms, please feel free to rate and review us on your preferred listening platform. And remember, please do share it so we can educate those other moms out there. we got to share this information. Please share it on your social network so we can help each other.
0: So that's it for this installment of The Nanny Diaries. Tune in next week for more on nannies and attachments. For more on today's show or for
1: additional information on our expert guests, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch up with The Great Equalizer podcast on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch with Samantha Steele and the TGE gang, email us at info at the great and we'll get back to you.